1: And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzoppia. This is our second hour of the show here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Go back and watch our show on demand. You can catch all the content that we talked about in the first hour of the show, uh, talking a lot of baseball here on the program, getting ready for the 2020 season. Joe and I highlighted a couple of different topics. One, of course, looks like the Toronto Blue Jays. Not going to be playing in Canada this year, and the Pittsburgh Pirates may be hosting them for the 2020 season, so uh, that's certainly an interesting topic. Also, uh, A.J. Puck of the Oakland Athletics, somebody on my fantasy team, no longer going to be in play for me this season. He was placed on the 10-day injured list, Steven Strasburg, uh, looked really sharp against the Orioles last night, a new closer for the Houston Astros, Ryan Presley, Uh, and as I reported yesterday on Twitter, uh, the Miami Marlins uh, have decided to... Uh, leave Monte Harrison behind at the start of the season and have him start off in uh, in Jupiter, and then hopefully we'll get to see him in a week or two. So that's kind of recapping our top stories in baseball. In case you missed it, there it is. Give it to you yet again. But as far, Joe, as the football is concerned, let's get to that here in discussion. I know that uh, you're b- basically entrenched now into fantasy football, and the fantasy football uh, season essentially begins when training camp begins, which is coming up in a week or two here. Uh, preseason games very much in question at this point. Now, what I had heard from people that I have talked to that are are in the NFL and the sources that I had heard is that there is going to be one NFL preseason game for every team this year. But they have gone back and forth with this, Joe, and uh, you know the NFL wants none, the teams want one. I I hope they're able to meet halfway on this one, and and I know that it's going to be really hard for them to play against each other in these inter-squad scrimmages because, Joe, that's what's really, I I think, superseded the preseason games is when training camp starts, and essentially you have, as an example, two teams that are located near each other. So the Dolphins – I'm in Miami. We'll use the Dolphins. The Dolphins will go to Atlanta, and they'll play the Falcons for a week. You know, They'll play them three or four times. I mean, those things are out this year. So, I mean, I can't imagine them not having any competition outside of playing against themselves. I mean, even baseball are giving themselves the opportunity to have a few exhibition games in the NBA. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, the last eight games of the season are games to get into the playoffs. They're also kind of exhibition games, I think, for some of the top teams as well. Can the NFL get away with not having a single preseason game and no inter-squad scrimmages at all in training camp?
2: I don't know if they can get away with it. I think one game would be good just to run all the protocols to run just for everybody, for the players, for, for the organizations. I think it would be very wise to do that if you can if you can make it work. Uh, I would also think that uh, you know, as a fantasy person, that you know you kind of in a way don't want too much preseason because we've seen so many great fantasy assets get lost into nothing games that didn't matter. And it really kind of ruins your team after a draft. So that's always a dicey situation too. And then you factor in all of the rookies and and what your expectations are. And I keep saying rookie water running backs this year. I think you have to temper your expectations for the first. I don't know, four or five weeks of the season here and how much they can really give if their ability to you know absorb the offense is as limited as it potentially could be. Uh, I also think what's difficult is when you have several teams playing in Florida and Florida being such a hot spot. when you have uh, you know, several teams in Texas and Texas's numbers and COVID being very high. I think that's the extra challenge is where your franchises are located right now. And I think that's another thing that I don't think the NFL was anticipating having to deal with, but now it's on their doorstep and they have to. So in the end, I think they are going to agree to basically go to that one game. I think the one game makes sense for all parties involved, but I don't think you're going to get anything over that for sure. And I think no games also just doesn't feel right because there's so many other things in place, Craig, that I think they have to account for. Wouldn't you agree?
1: I think it's playing against an opponent. I think that that, protocols is a very wise statement on your part. And I think that that's part of the equation, but those can happen in the first week of the NFL season. As you you know get ready to go, if you haven't played against an opponent, I don't think that that game speed uh, really is the same. And, and I understand that they're hitting and they're hitting each other, but you know, those quarterbacks, they have the red Jersey on, which means don't touch them. And it's a little different, I think playing in an NFL preseason game, but I think, you know, For me, and really the most intriguing thing as the season goes on, as we welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports Today discussing the NFL preseason, is, Joe, if you've decided how this will potentially change your approach to those legitimate fantasy drafts that you're doing in late August and September, because I can tell you that for me, I did pay attention to the preseason. I did watch who was on the field, and I didn't always look at it and say this is definitive and make my decision, but uh, look, a couple of years ago, Saquon Barkley's helium went up through the roof because of a couple of runs that he had in the preseason. If that's not going to exist this year, are we strictly going to go off the reporters that are at practices that can't tweet and then afterwards say, here's everything that I saw? Like It's a dynamic that we haven't seen before going to affect fantasy
2: yeah it's going to be very it also makes me want to consider or even reconsider some of the backs that are ahead of the rookies too Uh, guys like marlon mack was coming off even though he was hurt for a short period a very good season you know not a lot of guys are fighting for their own job after putting a thousand yard season up and a 900 yard season before that so it's going to make me really look harder at the value of guys like that on the board Marlon Mack, where's Kerryon Johnson? Well, maybe not so much Damian Williams, because I still think Clyde Edwards is that guy. But I think you also have to look at pivoting to some of the veterans and saying these are the guys who might get relied upon early and often because their familiarity with the offense, just just on that alone.
1: Yeah, and and I also think a big part of this is, and maybe it's going to really expose a lot of people in fantasy for just really understanding how good the players were in college before you figure out what they're going to do in the pros. We'll be back with more on FSD baseball discussion after this.
0: SportsGrid.com Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com
1: Hey, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia as we close in on the 2020 baseball season and fantasy baseball season. Just a programming reminder coming up a little bit later today. you got to stay on the grids because Scott Farrell is going coast to coast. Make sure you catch his show over on sportsgrid.com, YouTube, and wherever you watch live television on any of the various apps that you can catch us. Most importantly, though, is our website, sportsgrid.com. We'll direct you there. Uh, Joe and I will be back here tomorrow, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., it will be the final day before the 2020 Major League Baseball season begins, Joe. And as we close in on the season, we're starting to learn a lot more about the teams. And certainly it's uh, you a know, really good time to log on to FanDuel and get your bets in in terms of the win totals and odds to make the postseason for 2020, because once the season starts, that's it. You lose your opportunity.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously, we're we rocking and rolling. It's great. It's exciting. Uh, um, about this next, next boost here too, because we're going to break down the Mets and their play- playoff. All right, we'll it's get so back to, uh, to Joe,
1: Yeah, we'll get back to Joe in just a minute here. He's uh, a big fan of baseball, and it's getting them all excited on the show. So as soon as we can uh, clean Joe up, we'll get him right back here on the show. Uh, all right, so the New York Mets open up their season on Friday, and look, I, I think at this point. What we're dealing with with a lot of teams is not just the uncertainty of COVID, but also the uncertainty of some injuries. As we discussed earlier in the show, one of the key injuries in baseball is, of course, to the third baseman and reigning World Series champion of now the Los Angeles Angels in Anthony Rendon. But if you're getting ready to play DFS on Friday and FanDuel is going to have some great contests up for that, we probably want to know who some of the starting pitchers are going to be. And most of the teams have already announced not just their opening day starter, but most of their rotation, whether it's their one, two, three, four, or even five. And a lot of that news will be coming down, I would say over you know the next couple of hours. So we can sort of uh, sort that out. Uh, I think the biggest key issue from a DFS perspective, especially is whether or not that you're going to be able to use Jacob DeGrom, the reigning Cy Young Award champion for the New York Mets, coming up on Friday. And DeGrom was asked by the media yesterday his chances of actually suiting up and making that opening day start. That's the goal, to pitch on opening day. Um, You know, the other day...
0: So Sunday I threw a bullpen, felt great. Monday was the off day, didn't really do anything. And then Tuesday when I went to throw, just, you know, it was... Pretty tight, so
1: decided to say something um, out of an abundance of caution to stay healthy. Um, And, um, you know, wasn't really planning on getting an image of it, but just said, hey, let's go ahead and make sure everything's fine. So, uh, checked all the boxes, um, and the plan is to be able to pitch opening day. Well, Joe, that is the uh, the option for DeGrom, saying that he wants to be ready for opening day. But actually doing it is going to be another story. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. Uh, look, you'll know once they decide to place him on the injured list or not. I think that he sounded cautiously optimistic, but it's not something that I would bet on right now. And also for those people who are getting ready to set their DFS lineups for Friday, I think if you're interested in using DeGrom, you may want to wait.
2: Yeah, it would certainly appear so. Uh, I think it's a very difficult scenario here, you know, because I think the Mets basically are that battle for third in this division. I think the Nationals are well above them. I would also put the Braves above them as well. And then it comes down to them in the Phillies. And I think when you look at this team, the the bullpen goes to the Mets over the Phillies for sure. The starting rotation, they have the better starter in DeGrom, but the rest of the Mets rotation is questionable. And then the Phillies have a better team that they're rolling out there, I think, position by position than the Mets. Although the Mets have some decent guys out there. Uh, Obviously, Alonzo had a terrific season out there last year. We know that Jeff McNeil was an outstanding ballplayer as well. We'll talk about him more in this hour. But this is a difficult one for me. I think it's more leaning towards the no, especially with DeGrom's health, just slightly questionable I think it's a safer bet if you're going to try to bet between these two odds and everything has to break right for the Mets to to make the playoffs here including Edwin Diaz bouncing back from what was a, a five plus ERA last year which was not going to get it done in the ninth inning this year there's no margin for error with blowing saves
1: yep the, uh, as you can see there these are odds from the FanDuel Sportsbook if you bet a hundred dollars on the Mets to uh, make the postseason you would win back 118, and your risk on the no is minus 144 to win 100, and DeGrom's health is certainly a significant part of that. If he was to go on the injured list and miss two starts, I mean, that could really cost them the postseason in a shortened season for sure. Uh, all right, let's move over to the San Francisco Giants here for a minute. Uh, it is it is not a good scenario heading into 2020 for the San Francisco Giants. They have a lot of high-priced guys That are toward the end of their career. Arguably their leader has opted out of the 2020 season. And then yesterday we get word that a couple of their key offensive players are also not going to start the season for them. Their win total is extremely low. And uh, I'm reconsidering getting the money that I got back and putting it right back on this again. Uh, Wow. Evan Longoria, Brandon Bell, both placed on the injured list. Belt last year hit 17 home runs. Longoria had a respectable season. I know that the numbers weren't what they used to be, but his his war was two and a half. I mean, he's a two and a half win player. It's not bad. But Joe, wow. Like I mean, what could what what could go worse here for this team in twenty twenty? You you take away the the three hitter, the five hitter, and the six hitter off the Giants to start the season. I don't know. This this does not – it looks a little ominous for them in, in 2020. I know that they're not planning. I mean, their plan is not to win the division or compete, but uh, you lose three hitters in, out of your top six to start the year and your number one pitcher from last year going into 2020. That's where
2: they're at. Yeah, it was kind of ominous when you consider who those hitters were to begin with. The season wasn't looking all that great either. Uh, and then you factor in now they're not going to be there at all. We know the Giants are not a team that has a ton of depth right now. Uh, they're not looking to start the clock on as many guys as possible, and they shouldn't be because that's the structure of Major League Baseball right now. And there's no reason to be doing that if you're the Giants. You want to try to make sure that as you turn these things over, you do it in a manner that you know you can control this young talent for as long as possible. And to do it in a year you know is going to be lost anyway is very difficult. Whatever the number is in the Giants, you got to start looking real seriously at the under here because the pitching's not very good, and now, basically, you're taking the three best players out of this lineup for the first week of the season and Posey out for the entire season.
1: Now, saves is is always a commodity that we chase down in fantasy regardless of that, and if the Giants are a 20-win team, a lot of those wins are going to be close games because they're not going to score a lot of runs, so there are some saves to be had. Just ask Shane Green last year. He got every single one of Detroit's saves, and they only won by one run or two. Uh, here are the couple of the candidates to potentially get uh, saves for the giants this year. One with some experience and one with none. Tony Watson has 30 career saves, but he didn't even get a single opportunity in all of 2019. And of course he's a left-handed pitcher, Tyler Rogers, who was their young pitcher that they called up in September of last year through 17 games with a 1.02 earned run average. And in 16 innings pitched, he struck out 17. And so, Uh, Joe, it would appear to be those two players have a chance to save games. The other thing you would have to wonder is if if Watson got off to a really good start, would he even be on the team in a month from now? And so I think that's kind of what we're up against with the Giants is just hoping that you can scratch out five or six saves from one individual here.
2: Yeah, and you probably can. Uh, I think what you might want to try to do is approach getting both of these guys because it probably won't cost you much to do it. Just lock up the saves in San Francisco and just think of them as a total. Don't think of them as individuals. And just make sure you're staying on top of it and willing to manage it. And if you're not willing to manage the situation, then you need to make a a pivot. (laughs) Get a guy and pay for somebody that you know is going to get saves locked down. But then again, there's a lot of opportunity here as this even short season goes on for some bullpens to turn over. We just talked about Edwin Diaz. Who knows if he even holds that job past maybe Batanza challenges it at some point if he blows a few saves anything is possible right now in 2020.
3: all
1: right let's hear from gabe kapler the manager of the giants on who could potentially get saves in the ninth.
4: yeah i I, so one thing that is is important is we believe that uh the best way to utilize relievers is is by treating our bullpen as a flexible capable group who can pitch in any part of the game and then, if we have pitchers that emerge as surefire, clear-cut options to pitch, say, the, the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, then we'll we'll kind of slot them into into those roles. As you know, John, um, we have a bunch of, of really talented, capable pitchers, but without a whole lot of track record of success at the major league level, and and kind of to varying degrees. So. What we're excited about is that one or more of our relievers are going to be good out of the gates, um, very dependable, and emerge as as that uh, dependable pitchers to take down those those high leverage innings, like you talked about. Just one last thing on Anderson. I mean, is I guess in the old days, a guy who started and relieved
1: you in 2020. We'll be right back.
3: Yes, that's right. Zero out of 346 players have tested positive for COVID 19 since July 13th. Obviously, very positive news. Alex Len will be one of several Kings sitting out Wednesday's scrimmage. Len recently recovered from COVID 19 and said that he felt the effects for over three weeks which included a loss of smell and taste. In baseball, Angels manager Joe Maddon said Monday that he's not certain Anthony Rendon will be ready for opening day. Rendon, who signed a seven-year, $245 million deal with the Angels this winter, remains bothered by lingering oblique tightness and soreness. Astros manager Dusty Baker noted Monday that Ryan Presley will probably open as the Astros' primary closer if Roberto Ozuna is not ready. Ozuna has yet to throw off a mound since arriving late to Astros' summer camp. The Athletics placed left-handed pitcher A.J puck on the 10-day injured list with a left shoulder strain. Chris Paddock has been confirmed as the Padres' opening day starter versus the Diamondbacks. Brandon Belt will open the 2020 season on the Giants injured list. Belt has been bothered by heel soreness for most of summer camp. And the Brewers have placed left-handed pitcher Brett Anderson on the 10-day injured list with a blister on his index finger that could open up a spot in the rotation for the very talented yet erratic Corbin Burns. He has electric stuff. And we'll see how this plays out. Pirates president Travis Williams did confirm in a statement Monday that his team is working with the Blue Jays and MLB on the possibility of sharing PNC Park. We seem to be steps closer to the National Football League returning on time this fall. The NFL on Monday made an offer to the NFL PA to play no preseason games this summer. That's according to multiple sources. ESPN with the report as well. The players had been pushing to not play any preseason games this year while the league had most recently been seeking to play two games instead of the usual four. The league's proposal to the players also includes an offer for a longer training camp acclimation period. That's according to ESPN's Dan Graziano and that is closer to what the union has proposed thus far. Free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown tweeted out that he was done playing football to the third time since September that Brown has announced some form of retirement. NFL Network's Ian report reporting 49ers running back Raheem Mostert spoke to a high-ranking member of the 49ers organization to clear the air and get on the same page moving forward. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update.
1: All right, thanks very much, Dan and Joe. Uh, the big baseball news of the day actually coming down about uh, 10 minutes ago, maybe 15 Uh, The Dodgers uh, have optioned Gavin Lux to their minor league camp. Lux was thought to be their starting second baseman going into the season and thought to be my starting second baseman in fantasy to start their season as well. So uh, before we get into some other issues in baseball, let's touch on this real quick. I think that comes somewhat as a surprise, and uh, I'm not really sure what the Dodgers' thinking is on this, except for I guess they figure in the 60-game season they could win 50 games without him and maybe save like keeping him down for a week or two other than that I really don't I don't, uh, don't see a reason for it
2: no, I don't get it either, but I'll tell you what. It makes me really interested in the odds on FanDuel and Carter Kiboom at plus 850 right now because that guy is going to play every day. He seems to have a clear shot at that third-base job. They've said as much. The guy had a 3-4-5 slash at AAA last year. So, you know, we, we can sit here and talk about Lux, but let's talk about the repercussions of it. And the repercussions of it is basically right now, if you're looking at that board on FanDuel for Rookie of the Year, I think for my money, it's the best pivot, a guy who's going to have opportunity, a guy who I think is going to hit, and it's going to surprise a lot of people, plus I just don't think a lot of people realize how good of a player Keyboom could possibly be, there was so much attention on Lux, he was the chalk there after all, and rightfully so, and maybe you're right, maybe they do just look at it and say, hey, maybe we can just get by without him.
1: Yeah, maybe for a few days I, I still would uh, you know, pick him to win Rookie of the Year, and, and I do like Keeboom, he just didn't look very good at all when, when he made his debut last year. But look, neither did Mike Trout and, and other players as well. So uh, it's uh, it's an interesting discussion also for Rookie of the Year, and maybe something we'll kick back on the show next, next, uh, next time we're here tomorrow. Uh, bottom line, though, if you're just joining us, Gavin Lux of the Dodgers optioned, uh, in this case, to their minor league camp uh, out in Los Angeles. All right, so now let's talk about some potential players that we're going to get into that could be under consideration for 2020. And for those of you who don't pay attention to some advanced metrics, we're going to go into uh, WOBA, which is, uh, Joe, always really fun to go into weighted on base average. Not everybody fully understands it. So I I think before we get into this specifically with the players, maybe we should go into a little bit of a further discussion as to how we derive WOBA and what is the reasoning behind (laughs) behind choosing to go into this.
2: Yeah, and look, you could get lost uh, in terms of uh, deep metrics for baseball, and I mean lost, going down that rabbit hole. And some of them are really confusing, and some of them are simple. And, and look, what what WOBA or weighted on base average does, basically, is it tells you, if I could simplify it and take all the math out, that not all hits are created equal, basically. So basically, they're telling you this is a, a combination of on-base percentages, a combination of average. It's a combination of all these things. And and what it does, is it spits out a number. And if you look at it where, you know, you would normally rank some players, it's a pretty good, obvious idea of, wow, Mike Trout's a really good player. This is another indicator. Christian Yelich, another guy with a very high will, but all these guys. But there's also some surprising guys on these lists who are right there neck and neck with some of the best players in baseball. And as you're going to see here, it's something to take notice of because some of these players are going at a discount or maybe aren't thought of as highly as they should be. And I think if we take a look at them, what you're going to find out is that some players like, let's say, Jeff McNeil, who, if you go back and look at last year's numbers, uh, had a 382 WOBA, right? That is a very high number. You see the on-base percentage very good, the slugging very good, the OPS outstanding. Jeff McNeil is an outstanding player, not to mention a guy you can play in different positions potentially, depending on your league's eligibility. And just for perspective, his WOBA last year at 382, was higher than Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts was at 380. So Betts, obviously, all-world talent. But when we're talking about best values, best return on investment, this first player right here in Jeff McNeil, I think, is one to consider as saying, hey, you can get this guy at a pretty good discount. And what kind of hitter you're getting on your team is a well-above-average one. Is he Mookie Betts overall? No, of course not. (laughs) Believe me, I'm sure Jeff McNeil will be the first to tell you that. But we're talking about fantasy, Craig. We're talking about productivity. Jeff McNeil is one of the most productive guys out there right now, and Woba is a stat that proves that.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that weighted on base also includes batting average, which is rare these days. We really don't look at batting average all that often. And so you're going to find a common denominator with all the players we're going to discuss. And there are guys that are sort of throwbacks that still enjoy hitting 315, 320 in Major League Baseball. And Jeff McNeil, McNeil is definitely one of those guys. He's also somebody that can steal a base, he's also somebody that can play all over the field. Uh, I think the Mets are very fortunate to have him, and you could make the case that outside of Pete Alonso, maybe he was their most important player in baseball last year um, on their offensive side, of course, DeGrom being the Cy Young Award winner. So uh, I look forward to another successful year with McNeil. I had him on all my fantasy teams last year, so he helped me out a lot.
2: All right. A next guy on this list is Carlos Correa, who I think we are at a weird crossroads. The guy's only 25 years old, and I think way too many people are jumping ship. Uh, Anthony Rendon had a lot of issues early in his career too, uh, in terms of staying healthy. And look how good he is now. And I think Carlos Correa is on that same kind of track. His wOBA last year was 380, good OBP, great slugging percentage, the OPS off the charts. There's a good chance that when we're done with this season, we could be looking at Carlos Correa as the best all-around player on the Astros. It's not a hot take to consider that. And that's saying a lot because we got Bregman, Altuve, Springer, we got phenomenal talent on there. But just for perspective, too, that Woba was higher than Josh Donaldson's last year. Josh Donaldson was at 377, Carlos Correa was at 380 last year. We need to get more at bats for Carlos Correa. We're not going to get a full season from anybody. There's no full season, but I think this might be the start or maybe the last opportunity to buy low on Carlos Correa at 25 years old. This is a franchise caliber talent. And I don't think we've even scratched the surface of how good this player is yet. And I think the woba is a great indicator of how good of a hitter he truly is.
1: Yeah, I, I'm just not in on Correa again, and and he's just he's burned me a couple times in fantasy. I picked him to win the MVP once. Uh, look, you, you illustrate good points. He still is very young. Rendon did have issues with injuries in the past too, but I I, I can't just keep going down to the well and assuming that the guy is going to play 162. It's like that Tulowitzki effect where you expected it every year. It just never happened. Maybe it does for Carlos Correa, but Joe, when it does in 2020 or 2021, it'll be for a team other than my fantasy team.
2: And just all of the sentiments that Craig laid out there is exactly the reason why in keeper and dynasty, like right now, you might have a shot to buy in on the cheap, because I think that sentiment is out there. I think it's very palpable and understandable. But at the same time, I look at the future and I say, look, we haven't seen the best of this guy yet. It is worth a shot because the upside is one of the best players in baseball. And when you have that looming, it's worth taking a shot on. The next guy here on this list with a very high Wobo last year uh, is uh, J.D. Davis, another Met actually. Believe it or not, two good Mets. It's crazy. But yes, it's happening. Uh, but yeah, J.D. Davis last year had a really fine season, especially in the second half. That Wobo was up to 373. There's some home and road splits to keep an eye on here with him and weekly leagues but you look at the slugging percentage 527 the wOBA 373 believe it or not was actually higher than Max Muncy Max Muncy we think of as wow this guy's a really big contributor 35 bombs right big time player There's a chance that J.D. Davis, with a full slate of at-bats over a season and the full everyday gig there in left field, could potentially be that Muncie-esque kind of a guy. And it's not that far off to say so, when the Woba basically suggests it. So J.D. Davis, another one of these guys that I think is really being discounted in drafts that you could look at in 2020 as an outstanding value and a kind of hitter that you want on your fantasy team.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised when the Astros basically gave him away a couple of years ago, and I think the Mets did a good job taking advantage of him. The other part of this, too, is that the reality perspective comes in with J.D. Davis, because think about it, now all J.D. has to do is worry about offense. He was so worried about having to play third base. He really was not a good third baseman. Uh, The jury is still out, by the way, whether or not he could play left field, but even if he can't, maybe he could play designated hitter. I am not sold that Cespedes is all the way back, too. So I'm in with you on J.D. Davis. I think he ends up having a good year.
2: Well, I watched Cespedes this weekend, and my goodness, he looked done. It's kind it of sad to see, but he did not look like a player who it's, could it's withstand hard to sixty games.
1: Yeah, it's hard to envision a full return, and I think that he is absolutely worth a very late-round pick in, in fantasy, and maybe every once in a while he'll recapture the glory of 2012. Uh, but, yeah, I—, I I don't think that you're going to see a full comeback from him. I think that was unrealistic, but he plays in New York. And so we get excited about New York players and maybe not for the right reasons. All
2: right, let's hit up another couple of these guys real quick to Brian Reynolds last year. The Pirates had a very good season, kind of under the radar. A lot of people like this player, but just how good is he? Well, let's look. The Woba last year for Brian Reynolds was 371. Guess what? That was higher than Justin Turner. And I'm sure Justin Turner's going higher than Brian Reynolds in a lot of drafts. And you look at the slugging percentage, you look at the OBP, you want guys that are going to get on base. You want guys that are going to make solid contact and he's got power. Just like McNeil, this is a player that I feel like falls through the cracks and the Woba is a great stat to kind of prove just how valuable he could be. The OPS is always a good one too, but sometimes you want to look a little deeper. I'm telling you right now, Brian Reynolds at the top of that order for Pittsburgh is really solid. And then, Last but not least, Hunter Dozier at uh, a 360 Woba last year. This was a guy that looks like he could be a perennial 25, 75, 75, or 80, 80 player over a full season, Craig, and his Wobo was 360. That was actually higher than Glaber Torres at 358 just for perspective. Is he the player Glaber Torres is? Of course not. But you're looking at productivity. You're looking at return on investment. We're talking about not all hits being created equal. Well, guess what? Hunter Dozier is a guy that's making the most of that contact. Hunter Dozier is a guy that's hitting for power. He's hitting for decent batting average. He's just hitting, period. And I think when you look at Dozier and Reynolds, Craig, those are two more guys that I would put very high up on draft board higher than other people would because i think they're being basically undervalued for the skill set they bring to your fantasy team
1: yeah on dozier i think that he's a very underrated and undervalued player i don't think that a lot of people are aware of him and know who he is Uh, on the flip side with reynolds i'm a little bit questionable uh, for a couple of reasons the first is i have myself if he outperformed what most people thought he would be Last year, the second thing is clearly this is not the first organization that he has played with. In fact, he was dangled a couple of different times uh, on teams that he was with. Uh, The San Francisco Giants being one of those. So um, I'm not necessarily back in on Reynolds. I did have him last year, fortunately. But I think that there may have been a little bit of overachieving there. We'll see if that translates back into 2020. Uh, We got plenty of fantasy sports today. Coming up next is Antonio Brown. Really retired. No, I mean really retired. We'll touch on that in Fantasy Reality. And by the way, if you've ever had anything bizarre off this uh, Taco Bell menu, you may want to go ahead and grab one through through quickly because some of their items are going bye-bye. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you until 2 o'clock Eastern and tomorrow at noon. And we'll have a lot more information on MLB rosters. Uh, It is a surprise today if you're just joining us as the Dodgers sent Gavin Lux to their minor league camp. And so we won't see him for at least the first few days of the Major League Baseball season. But, Joe, the Dodgers are uh, simply put very stacked. And, uh, look, they can just stick Max Muncy at second base. They could put Taylor at second But Kiki Hernandez at second base and be perfectly fine. To me, I think the American League is somewhat in flux. But man, if the Dodgers don't come out of the National League this year, I'd be very surprised.
2: Look, this is huge news. Uh, there's no way around it. I mean, Gavin Lux not opening is, is huge because so many people were so aggressive on Lux and thought that he was going to be a, a really good return and a really good investment. Now with the shortened season, obviously that margin for error was so much less. But now we're taking away games for him. And will we see him at all? And that's, that's a huge question mark. I mean, this is just... The season that never stops giving us news before we even can possibly get to the season, I think we'll all feel much better once we get some kind of baseball, but it's just constantly, like you said, in flux, and it's very difficult to deal with from a fantasy perspective, from season long, from a daily perspective. You know, it doesn't change too much. But from a season long, when you're trying to do these redrafts, I mean, think about how many redrafts happened just this past weekend. People trying to wait as yep. long as they could. And now this is a huge bomb to drop on everybody where Gavin Lux is not going to start. And I'm sure a lot of people not only paid, but overpaid to have him on their roster.
1: Yeah. And I have him too. I really like him a lot. I'll still, I still think he's got a great shot at winning rookie of the year. But if you told me that he's going to be, you know, held down for 10 games, I would obviously change that. But. We'll see what the Dodgers have to say as they speak to the media in just a little bit. We'll get the latest on that. When we come back tomorrow, we'll have reaction to it and play that back for you. All right, time to play a little game of fantasy or reality here toward the end of our show today. Simply put, these are a set of true or false questions based on things that are happening in sports at the moment. And the first we're going to start with is our good friend Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown of the teamless football team in the NFL. <laughs> he tweets out, Instagrams out, sends out stuff. I mean, I don't, the only crazier thing that I saw the, yesterday than Antonio Brown was Kanye West. I couldn't make heads or tails of what Kanye was tweeting yesterday, but uh, Antonio Brown says that he'll never play, uh, you know, again in the NFL. He says he's hanging it up. So, Joe, I ask you, fantasy or reality, Antonio Brown is done. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, this is difficult. I I don't want him to be done. I want him to get right. I want him to get the help that he clearly needs. And I want him to get back on the field because this is a Hall of Fame potential career. And you always talk about Hall of Fame. You need, uh, you know, organizations to back you. You need a PR machine to back you. Well, the Steelers aren't going to be backing him. We all know the Pats (laughs) are going to be backing him and certainly not the Raiders or the Bills or anybody else that he's scorned in the last few years, so this is really difficult. I, I'm kind of just sad because it's, it's very rare we get a talent that is great as Antonio Brown, and it's all ending in just such a terrible, awful way, and it's really getting drawn out. I'm going to say it's Unfortunately, reality, we don't see him back in the NFL. I thought there was a small chance with this year with all the craziness that somebody would take a shot and try to make it work. But if he couldn't make it work under these circumstances where there's a lot more risk reward out there on the table for teams then maybe not this one either. So I'm going to go reality that he's done. Craig Nish, which way are you going to go?
1: I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say that's a fantasy. I think Antonio Brown is going to play again. I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know how. And by the way, I don't know that it'll be in 2020. But I think eventually Antonio Brown is going to get the help that he needs. Maybe he's getting it already. I don't even know. Uh, he probably will face somewhat of a suspension, maybe a game or two. But it is not over for Antonio Brown. He will come back. He may not play a lot, and it may be ugly. He may have to you know, play for Jacksonville. I don't know. But I do believe at some point in the next couple of years, we do see Antonio Brown back again. 2020, I wouldn't bet on that, but I do think eventually he will come back to the NFL. So we disagree on Antonio
2: Brown. Do you think if in a All dynasty right. league you have him that you would want to hold on still for another year or you want to cut him? Not with
1: his salary that you've had him at the last few years, but if he's free?
2: Sure. Just don't know if you want to take up the roster spot or not. I think it's getting to the point where you can't do it.
1: The roster spot, half your team is going to have COVID this year. I'm not worried about that at all. I'll be fine. All right, uh, let's go to uh, an interesting story yesterday, a place that uh, I have not frequented in quite some time and really not quite some time just because of of everything that's gone on. Uh, These are our friends over at Taco Bell. This is our next subject here of Fantasy or Reality. Joe, starting on August 13th, This is really bad news, I guess, for some people because you'll no longer be able to order the grilled steak soft taco, seven-layer burrito, nacho supreme, which is a huge Joe Ranieri favorite right there, beefy Fritos burrito, spicy tostada, triple-layer nachos, spicy potato soft taco, cheesy fiesta potatoes, loaded grillers, chips and dips, and the mini skillet bowl. If you've ever had those, Joe, starting on the 13th of August, it is your last chance to go to Taco Bell, grab them, put them in your freezer, and just bust them out every once in a while because they are taking them off the menu. So fantasy or reality, Joe, you have had any of those items that I just mentioned on the Taco Bell menu in the past, fantasy or reality?
2: First of all, what in the hell is a spicy potato soft taco. That sounds just like a giant ball of mush wrapped in a soft taco shell. That sounds like a terrible idea. That should have been on any menu in the first place. That's ridiculous. Uh, I have been to Taco Bell, actually, not that long ago, and they actually just said they're getting rid of one of my favorites, the double-decker taco, and I was like, what do you mean I can't order it? First time I've been there in, I don't know, six, seven months, maybe. Maybe twice a year I hit the Taco Bell. I will say reality that I've had, hmm, of all these things, probably the I would say the triple layer nachos. That sounds like something at some point in time I would have ordered. So I'll say that one. The rest of them, honestly, no. And a huge giant no to the potato wrapped on a soft taco. What in the hell is that, Craig Mish? Fantasy Reality, you've had anything on this menu?
1: Yeah, this is this is a reality. It's been a while, but definitely in the past. And I probably not in 2020. But I'm going to guess at some point, 2019 or 2018, it definitely over the last two years. Like I can't say for sure 2019, but I definitely have had the nacho supreme. I absolutely have yeah, had that. That, that's,
2: that sounds like something. That's like a normal thing here. Uh, but I mean, some of these things like when when they started putting Doritos and they started putting Fritos in the top, that's when the, you lose me there. Like I don't know what that is. I don't know what the fascination is. It's like, hey, let's take this other thing. Is really not good for either, and let's make it out of that. And it's just, I, I don't know. Have you, you know, ever you had a shows is- Loco Taco?
1: Yeah, you, you know what the issue has been for me with with Taco Bell is that it, it's you know you, you crave it, you want it, and then you have it. But for me, the issue was always bringing it in my house. What do you do after? Like after, yeah. like I don't I don't want the remnants in my house anywhere like I feel like my whole house would smell like Taco Bell so I I have not brought Taco Bell home oh it, it's got to be 3 or 4 years maybe longer than that
2: well I think you're right there's a there's a shame there's a stench there's a whole thing that kind of lingers out to- <laughs> That's it. No, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm, I'm not going to deny that at all. By the way, I think they're getting rid of all these items because if you look at the newer Taco Bells and what they look like, clearly these new constructions. I mean, look at this. They're like little tiny restaurants, how glorious they look, the Taco Bells now. So you, know, you can't afford the Fritos or the potatoes anymore to put in. That's what happens. Look at that place.
1: Yeah, it's uh, prices are going up around the bell. Yeah. <laughs> all right uh finally we got a final one here for our fantasy reality segment this is a little bit more serious and 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 a really tough question i think than not one that we know for sure so we're basically guessing that's what we do on the show anyway we're guessing we really know nothing half the time uh okay fantasy or reality joe 2020 the nfl season let's let's eliminate the preseason from this and just get right to the regular season in september Fantasy or reality, there will be fans at NFL games this season. Not cardboard cutouts. Not cardboard cutouts. Real fans. Breathing, sleeping, eating, and I won't say the final one. But, yes, there will be fans at NFL games this season. Joe Pizzoppia, I ask you, is this fantasy or reality? And I'm talking about one fan all year.
2: Oh, this is a difficult one. I'm going to I'm going to say reality is that there won't be fans. I think it's I think that's the reality. Now, maybe come the playoffs, maybe when we start to turn the page after the holidays, the maybe is
1: you got to say well, fantasy. It's true or false. Oh, reality oh, sorry, is there. The you you,
2: you got to go fantasy or reality. Pick one. Uh that there will well I wasn't sure if you're saying there will or there won't be. It's there will be fans at NFL Games, so I'm gonna say that's a fantasy. So I I'm I apologize. The wording there and the setup, you confuse my simple brain. But yeah, I'm gonna say it's a fantasy. It's
1: it's as if we had no time to prepare for this whatsoever.
2: No, it's 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 a fantasy. I think it's a fantasy. Do you think it's a it's a fantasy as well?
1: I do. I agree. Unfortunately, I agree. I, I, I cannot see a scenario where it happens. I know that this is a state-by-state situation. But at the same time, I think that in order to completely preserve this pro football season, it would be in their best interest to eliminate this even from the discussion. And I know that there are going to be a lot of people who don't agree with that. But for somebody who does a two-hour television show every day here on Sports Grid, I want them not just to start the season, I want them to finish the season. And I have no doubts that they're going to start this thing. I have my doubts that they'll be able to finish it so I am going to say fantasy, and I am going to implore the NFL, if you don't think that this is safe at all and the players are tweeting out that this may not be safe, please, we'll have football for the rest of our lives. We can do without having the fans at one game. And by the way, Joe, of all the the sports, to me, I mean, the fans may be important in terms of the big mojo that goes on on the game, but are they really important from a TV perspective? Come on.
2: Mm, No, I mean, it's important for the mojo of the game, without doubt, especially when you think of places like Minnesota that has a huge advantage, I think, in that building, where you think uh, Seattle, like places that are really tough to play, where, you know, quarterbacks can't hear themselves think, let alone get a signal call off. So those kind of advantages being gone, I think are going (laughs) to make some drastic changes potentially, but it's also not fair to have, you know, some areas that can have fans and others that can't. I think that's where it comes down to. If if COVID cases are low somewhere, will they can have Yeah, that's exactly the point there. I I just think that you can't, you have to have it either everybody or nobody, because I don't think it's a fair, it's a disadvantage basically for teams that can't have a home crowd and an advantage for those who can. And I just don't think you can roll out games like that. I don't think it's a a level playing field basically.
1: Yeah. And and I understand the sentiment, but there, there there's basically been uh, all state regulations with this since this has started. And so uh I agree with your premise. I just think that there are going to be places that don't have the issues that places like my home state of Florida has. And they're going to determine that maybe it is potentially safe to do it. Now, do I think inevitably that ends up happening? No, I think it is fantasy, like I stated, and I don't think fans go to games this year. But I uh, am just very hopeful that there will be NFL games. And and, um, somebody I spoke to today, by the way, feels that there will actually be a college football season too, an eight-game college football season with just those conference games that they're talking about. So feel a little bit more optimistic on college and pro football season starting. And, of course, we'll have it covered for you here, our in-game live show back on the air here live. It's going to be real exciting to have baseball on the air. And then, of course, we're going to have NBA action coming up in a week as well. Uh, All right, so coming up next here on the show, it is time for uh, us to close it out, and we close it out in style as we do every day with our Sports Grid 60. Essentially what this is, it's one final hot topic to end the show. Joe will have his opinion on something, and so will I, and then we'll be right back here on the program tomorrow telling you of the interesting story about one of the all-time bad beats in daily fantasy sports. We're talking about Event this past weekend on the golf links, one player who went from basically—I mean, I don't know about life-changing money, but maybe a salary for a year type money or a couple years type money—to basically losing it all after the golf event finishing. You rarely see that happen. We'll have that on tomorrow's show. Be right back. All right, welcome back. It is Sports Grid here on Fantasy Sports Today. As we close out today's show, we're going to close it out with the hot topic that is in sports in some way or another. And we'll close it out with our Sports Grid 60. So, Joe, you got 60 seconds on the clock. Take it away.
2: Yeah, well, I know we usually do these about sports, but I'm gonna do it about sports grid right now because now we're on 12 to two, not 11 to one, and I, I, I'm lost here. When do I eat lunch? Do I eat lunch before? Do I have a late breakfast? Do I have brunch? And then I go through. I know these are, you know, personal issues of mine, but I need some help. I want to put it out there to everybody and to you. What schedule is Craig Mish on? Even I'm completely lost, Craig. I need some direction here. What's the eating schedule now that we're 12 to two every day?
1: Uh, well, you had a few more seconds there. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just going to eat lunch after the show's over, Joe. Is, 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 that's it. Yeah, but when do yeah, you I, eat dinner I,
2: then? Like at seven thirty, eight o'clock at little, no, I don't know. Later. The whole thing's off. A
1: little break. bit later. A little bit later.
2: All right. Fair that's enough. It. Fair enough. I mean, I went to Larry know David else. on you for eat. a second here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that my, my eating schedule changed a little bit, but I think that, um, you know, I think that we'll be okay.
2: I don't worry uh, so Oh, I, I know we'll it. be okay. I just... We got to get right. That's all. That's all. Okay, you're a Maybe we'll you're take Do something more productive. Yeah, we'll do that.
1: All right, here's my Sports Grid 60, folks. The uh, NBA has decided that in a couple of years, not this year but next year, they're going to have the Jumpman logo, the Michael Jordan logo on their jerseys. Now, of course, the Charlotte Hornets have had this already because Michael Jordan owns the team. But I got to ask you this question. Why is Michael Jordan just not the NBA logo at this point? How long is it going to take – before they realize that this guy is the most transcendent athlete in the history of sports, potentially the best athlete in the history of professional sports. No disrespect to Jerry West, Mike Michael Jordan, the NBA logo already. Let's get it over with. Speaking of which, our show is done. Thanks again to my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, and of course everybody who helped putting the show on the air today, especially our good friend Joe Ranieri, who is with us every single day getting us back on the air on Sports Grid. Uh, for everyone watching, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon Eastern, right back here on Sports Fantasy Sports Today. Until then, see ya, stay on the grid.